Please, let's turn to page 182. That great hymn the choir was just singing, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. We'll sing all three verses together as we begin. Page 182. Sing it out together on that first verse. God sent His Son. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus.
serve a dead God around here. Amen. And he is very much alive and sure thankful for that uh, this morning. Do want to welcome you to our uh, services here at uh, Faith Baptist Church. And I did just want to mention a few things. Uh, certainly sure thankful for the beautiful uh, flowers that are up here on the uh, platform. And that is um, uh, because of the uh, Clark family and had a wonderful uh, memorial service yesterday uh, for the homegoing of Miss Clark. Uh, and sure thankful Brother Gary Clark is uh, here this morning and do continue to pray for him uh, and his uh, family. And you know in that song it talked about a uh, newborn babe. And so we've got uh, several visitors here this morning and we're sure glad that they are here. Uh, but we do have a special uh, visitor that's actually been coming inside the womb for quite some time. Uh, but little uh, Kinley Ann Dawsing is back there. She's already in the sound booth, amen, with Brother Matt uh, back there. And so uh, he's standing up there and sure thankful, though, and, and uh, thankful they're doing okay. And mom and baby are doing good. That's a blessing. Did just have a couple of things I wanted to mention. Any of our married couples interested in going to the couples retreat February the 3rd and the 4th here in a few weeks, you do need to make sure that you sign up by today. Uh, if you'd like to go to that, uh, the sign-up sheet is out there in the outer foyer. It's $190 a couple, but I'm telling you, it's well worth an investment in your marriage if you can uh, go to that. And so do, did just want to mention that. And then, of course, tonight in our evening service, we're going to be having our uh, send-off service for Brother Jack, Miss Lizzie Parker, their family, their kids, and uh, going to Japan. And so they're going to be starting uh, deputation and raising support, and of course, I've already been out a little bit, but tonight is kind of our official service, and so after the service tonight, we'll have our Bible study at 6 o'clock and our service tonight at 6.30, then right after the service, going to have some finger foods over in the fellowship hall, and so bring some foods and things like that, and certainly some gift cards and, and things want to be a blessing to this family. Send them out the right way, amen, and uh, so looking forward uh, to that uh, tonight. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God's blessing on our uh, services this morning. Brother Jim Wisdom, would you pray for us this morning, brother? I'm asking if you remain standing, please. Let's turn to page number 11. Page number 11 in your hymn book. Come thou fount of every blessing. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Page number 11. Come thou fount of every blessing. To my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Oh, 
Page number 52 now. Page number 52. The Lily of the Valley. Aren't you thankful you have a friend in Jesus this morning? Amen. Let's sing it out on that first verse. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The Lily of the Valley. In Him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care I need to hold. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my griefs has taken and all my sorrows borne. In temptation, he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken, and all my idols torn. From my heart, and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me, and Satan tempt me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Let's get around and shake hands together this morning. The instruments are going to continue to play. We're glad you're here. Glad for those visiting with us today as well.
page number 52, if you lost that page number on that last verse. Aren't you thankful he will never, never leave you if you know him as your Savior this morning? Let's sing it out together. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here, while I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With this manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, I'll see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Amen. Men come for the offering. I'd like to read to you from Psalm 105, verse 1. He says, O give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Brother Raymer, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. time together please page 333 page 333 my redeemer sing all four verses this morning for our last song together page 333 i will sing of my redeemer and his wondrous love to me on the cruel cross he suffered and the fears to set me free my Redeemer, with His blood He purchased me. On the cross He sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. I will tell the wondrous story, how my lost and stayed to save, in His boundless love and mercy. He the ransom freely gave. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer with His blood. 
body purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free i will praise my dear redeemer his triumphant power i'll tell how the victory giveth over sin and death and hell sing i'll sing my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free i will sing of my redeemer and his heavenly love to me he from death to life hath brought me son of god with him to be sing i'll sing of my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free amen great singing you may be seated this morning of all my faults and my failures when I consider all the times I've let God down I am humbled by the grace he has extended I'm amazed at the mercy I have found I could never earn his love on my own Yet every time I come before his throne I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb I stand redeemed before the great I Am When he looks at me he sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Even at my best, I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken life is all I have to offer And yet it is a priceless gift to Him The bitter mark of sin will never fade away But I can come before Him unashamed I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb 
I stand redeemed before the great I am. When he looks at me, he sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Oh, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I am. And when he looks at me, he sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. I stand redeemed. I stand redeemed. That's pretty near good stuff right there to make a Baptist shout, amen. Well, I'm just telling you, if you're redeemed, it's only through the blood of the Lamb. And uh, what a blessing this morning. <clears throat> well, I uh, did just want to mention, I forgot to mention earlier, I just got a lot of things on my mind, on my plate, uh, but uh, did just want to say thank you to Faith Baptist Church for allowing us to go to the Church Planners Conference uh, this past week uh, there at Heartland Baptist Bible College and, and uh, gave away uh, all our money. Amen. And uh, we had voted to send uh, $5,000. And so we kind of <clears throat> spread it around. And uh, so we're going to, I'll give a, just a brief report uh, tonight. We'll certainly post a list of all the ministries, the churches and, and guys that we, you know, gave uh, money to. I don't think you can cover everything that you heard and, and, and just had part in over the last three days and about a minute and a half, but uh, we'll try to do our best tonight. Amen. And, uh, but sure, thankful, thankful, uh, thankful that, <clears throat> thankful that there are men answering the call of God in our day and time, and thankful that we can that we at Faith Baptist Church have not lost sight of that, and we can have part uh, in that. And so, just a real blessing. Well, let's get let's get down to it, shall we? What we came here for, and I can jabber on tonight, Amen. So, <clears throat> let's all stand in honor of God's word if you're able to stand, and <clears throat> I want to invite you to the Book of Romans in, in chapter number seven. We have been in the book of Romans all year. <clears throat> Sorry, that was a dad joke. I apologize. Uh, actually, we haven't been in the book of Romans, I want to say, uh, since November of, of last year. That is our uh, Sunday morning series. But, uh, of course, we had our uh, Thanksgiving banquet and then got off into December and, and uh, Christmas time. And then, of course, uh, since the first of this year, we've looked at a New Year's Day message, and then our theme for this year, Loving People and Preaching Christ. And so we're going to get back into the book of Romans uh, this morning, and it's going to take a little time. Uh, we'll review here in, in just a moment, but we're going to start in verse number 1 of Romans chapter 7. And right off the bat, I, I want to call your attention to the, the, the audience that Paul begins to address here I would say it changes, uh, and I think you'll agree with me on that, and we've seen this throughout Romans that he deals with the Gentile believers, but then he also deals with the Jews and the Jewish believers, and that's what we find here in Romans chapter 7. Look at verse number 1, he says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them, and so he's going to address the term brethren here, for I speak to them that know the law how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. 
right? So for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, talking about Jesus Christ. All right, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead where we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was death. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin... Taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was, was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, worketh death in me by that which is good. Talking about the law. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Now, did you understand all that? I didn't either. All right, so I'm just, I'm just thankful that your eggs got scrambled like mine. All right, we're going to explain all of this this morning, but this, this is the idea here, okay? That these folks, these Jewish believers, they had received Christ as their Savior, all right? However, they had gone back to what I would say is the rigorous rules of the Old Testament, the law. And so what Paul is challenging them on is that the law was never meant for this. Yes, it points out our sin, but you understand more importantly, it points out our need for Jesus Christ. And that once you are saved, listen, now you can have a relationship with God through Him. All right? And so once you are saved, then your life is not going about going back to these rules of the Old Testament, but rather it's about the relationship that you now have with God through Jesus Christ. Now, please grab a hold of this. The rules are still good. The rules are still good. Because they are helpful. They they are not meant to be thrown completely out because here's the thing. They help us to have the relationship. But you understand, the Christian life is not just about rules. It's about the relationship that we can have with our God through Jesus Christ. I realize, well, preacher, you know, we're, we're Gentiles. We're, we're not Jews. And I, I understand that. Probably most all of us here are. Uh, we, we are Gentiles, and so therefore we didn't come out of the law and all of that. But here's what I would say to you this morning. There's still a tremendous application here. Amen. 
Because I'm, I'm just saying to you, what I have seen in my day is this, is that we in the New Testament and even Gentile people have a tendency to take the commandments of Jesus Christ and do exactly what the Jews were doing in their day and time. And it becomes about this mundane religion that we have that we follow after rather than walking with God in a relationship with Him. And so I would say to you, the question then comes to us is this. Do you have religion this morning or do you have a relationship with the God of heaven and earth? Well, I, I would hope that you have a relationship with God this morning. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And Lord, use me this morning. Help me to preach. Lord, you know my, Lord, just struggles. I, I think of spiritual, physical, all of those things. And, and just being transparent with you and your people this morning. And, and just asking, Lord, that you would give much grace to the message. I, there's, I believe even the reading the passage here that these people would understand. There, there's a lot to explain and to expound and, and to chew on this morning. But Lord, when it's all said and done, I just, God, my heart is, is that it would make sense to us and we would be confronted and challenged in our own lives to make sure that we are truly born again of the Spirit of God, but then also that we would walk in that newness of spirit in a relationship with you. So help us this morning, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. It's it's interesting, in in life you, you, you begin to find this principle that Sometimes there can be two very different situations or circumstances, but you have the same answer. I, uh, I know this, I've, I found that to be true, just going to something like the doctor, and, and probably many of you could testify, especially here as of late with so much of the sickness and things that's been going around, but you, you know, you get the sniffles and the sinus congestion and the sore throat and the struggling to breathe and all of those things, and you go to the doctor and he gives you the Gives you antibiotics to help with that. Hopefully he does. If not, you probably ought to get a better doctor. Amen. But I can also remember there being times in my life where there were other medical situations and ended up getting the same prescription. I remember when my son uh, Luke was born. And our uh, second daughter Taylor was just a couple of years older than him. And so we had had two uh, babies there in the house. And so my wife came home and she had bought one of these double strollers and brought it, brought in the big box and asked me if I'd get it out and get it all set up. And so I said, sure. And, and so I pulled it out of the box and, and I noticed that it was, you know, it was tied together with these little white plastic zip ties. And so I, I did what any good man would do. I pulled my pocket knife out because a good man ought to have a pocket knife on him. Amen. And all the men with no pocket knives went, amen. All right. I did. I pulled out my pocket knife and I grabbed, you know, and I, I wasn't thinking and I just, I, I flipped up the blade and I went down and, and I wasn't, I didn't realize that, you know, I was cutting up and, and the blade was aimed back at me. And so I, I put a little pressure on there and I heard two pops. And the first pop was the zip tie that popped when I cut it. And the second pop was the blade going into my arm. And so I pulled it out and I grabbed it and... uh because I didn't want to bleed on the carpet. You know, again, man. And uh, then I went to the sink and, uh, you know, and I, I started washing it off and I, I opened it up and I saw the meat on, the, on my arm, inside my arm, and then the girl came out in me, right? 
and I about passed out, went to one knee, and my wife's like, you're going to be all right? And I'm, I'm like, I don't know, can we just, you know, can we put a little, you know, Band-Aid, glue, what do you want, what do you want to do, nurse? And she's like, no, you got to have stitches. So we went uh, to the car, and I got in the car, and, and uh, we went to the emergency room. The doctor, he, you know, they sewed it up and everything, and they gave me, you know, some baby aspirin, suck it up, and uh, put some stitches in it. But then, you know what they gave? They gave me antibiotics. Antibiotics. Two very different scenarios. I'd much rather have the sinus cold. Actually, no, I don't think I would. I'd rather go ahead and get it over with. Amen. Have this. Two very different scenarios. But you think about it. There are many times in life where you and I see that principle. I, you know, we were talking about this last night, having a bad day. frozen custard and celebrate. Two very different scenarios, but the same answer. Well, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that that's really the text this morning. It's, as you and I get into chapter number 7, we would say this, it's a very different situation from what we're coming out of in our study of chapter number 6, but ultimately what I would say to you is this, is that Paul gives them the same answer. All right, now, now, now again, it's, it's been several weeks, all right, since we have finished up chapter 6, and so I did just want to take a moment and just recall and, and get our minds uh, wrapped around this, but if you go back to chapter number 5 in verse number 20, it, it, the chapter ends with this wonderful promise of the Scriptures where he talks about that the law entered that offense might abound, but then I love this little portion of this verse that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And, and what a great promise. And I think most of us that would understand the Bible, that we would understand that truth to simply be this, that no matter who you are or what you've done, that you need to understand that the grace of God is available to you. If you, if you need to be saved this morning, then you can be saved. If you need to be forgiven this morning, then, then you can be forgiven. If you need to be restored this morning, then you can be restored. But, but the problem that we find is that the believers in Rome, they, saw, they seem to think this, that since grace abounded where sin abounded, then I'll just do more sin so that I get more grace. That's what I would call stinking thinking. All right, or as we would say in the South, stinking thinking. All right, but you understand, that's why chapter 6 then begins with questions like, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he answers that, God forbid. And really the chapter ends in chapter number 6 by showing us the real consequences of sin. Because here's what you've got to understand. That more sin in our lives doesn't lead to more of the grace of God in our lives. He says this in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin, in other words, where sin leads us is not grace, but the wages of sin is death. That's where sin leads us. And so folks, you and I have to understand this, that the grace of God was not given to the people of God so that we can continue living in sin and wickedness in our daily lives. By doing this, Paul points out in chapter 6 that sin has dominion over us. In other words, we're letting it dictate our lives rather than the one that bought us and redeemed us as the song was sung this morning, who is Jesus Christ. 
And, and so, and that's the thing, friend. Sin has dominion over us. We're headed to death. And, and so the grace of God was given, and he points this out, so that sin shall have no more dominion over you, and that you and I can have life, whether that be eternal life or the abundant life that you and I can have in Jesus Christ as God's people. That, that's, listen, that, in fact, that's really what chapter 6 is about. Now watch this. And we saw how to break free from that. Go back to chapter 6 and look at verse number 7. Now listen, man, I'm a southerner. I'm, a, I'm from the south. I'm from, somebody asked me that at, in Oklahoma City this week. Where, you know, where are you from? I said, I'm from L.A., lower Alabama. Amen. The panhandle of Florida right there. Look, this is, I love this because here's what he says in verse number 11. Likewise reckon. Good southern word right there. Amen. I don't know how many times I heard my grandpa say it. Well, I reckon, son. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves. Now watch this. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You understand? Now watch, now watch this. It is simply the idea. Now, come on. He's talking about breaking free from that dominion of sin in our lives. And he says this, to reckon. In other words, to take into account that the old man, the old life, the old way has died on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so now we need to die to that and live unto Jesus Christ in our lives. That's what he's saying. In other words, if I could say it like this, now watch this, that is the answer to chapter number 6. But now we come to chapter number 7. And look at what he says, okay? Watch this in verse number 1. Know ye not, brethren, for that I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath, what's that word right there? Come on, do you remember in chapter 6, sin had dominion over you? Now what he's doing is the audience has changed. In other words, Paul's not dealing with the Gentile believers in Rome, but he's dealing with the Jewish believers in Rome. And so now it's not about the dominion of sin in their life. It's about the dominion of the law in their life. But regardless of Gentile or Jew or sin or the law, the answer is still the same. It's to die to self and live unto Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he's trying to get across to them. It's to say this, that you are no longer in this dead religion. You've been delivered from that. And you have been given a newness of spirit in Jesus Christ. And we're to die to that and live unto him. That's what he's talking about. I uh, mentioned a moment ago and just asked you if you had understood all of that. I, I was glad to see a lot of heads nodding and going... You know, because really there are some very, you know, difficult things here to kind of wrap your mind around. And so I, I just kind of felt like that I would approach this passage a little, <clears throat> a little differently than what we normally do. Normally we kind of take a paragraph and we just kind of dive into it and chew on it for a little while. But I thought it'd be wise to maybe go down through here and just explain some things so that when it's all said and done, we can kind of all be on the same page here and understand what Paul is saying here. And so I want to ask you to just bear with me just a little bit, and let's go down through here. If you're a note taker or an underliner or any of those things, uh, this would be certainly a time to get your pen ready and grab a hold of these things. 
And then when it's all said and done, we'll make some application and do a little more preaching, all right? And maybe we get out of here about 2 o'clock, all right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. People are panicking right now, amen? So I'm just kidding. Look look at verse number 1. Uh, again, I just, I just pointed that out. I said, you know, the audience has changed here. He's speaking to them that know the law, the Jewish believers. And he's talking about how the law hath dominion over a man. But notice he brings up, he brings up this principle. He says this. He, he says that the law hath dominion over a man. Now watch this. As long as he liveth. Did you catch that? In other words, it's the idea of this. Is that if you're a Jew and you're born into a Jewish home... The law rules over your life till you die. It's as simple as that. Okay, but now look at verses 2 and 3. And just, just follow along here with me. And we'll, this will go quickly here. But look at verse 2 and 3. He says, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to, to another. Okay? Now, here, here's the thing. Okay? Now, everybody look up here just for a second. Don't get hung up right here. Alright? In, in other words, this scenario of marriage, it's meant to be an illustration. Okay? And, and so make sure, you know the old saying, make sure you see the forest, not just the trees in front of you. In other words, to step back and to see the passage in its context, in its literal, historical, grammatical context, and grab the idea. Now, I do want to say this. Yes, God's plan for marriage is one man married to one woman for one lifetime. Still, till death do you part. I mean, you read in your Bible reading this morning, if you were doing the Bible reading calendar, where Jesus was confronted by the Jews about divorce, and he's, He made it clear, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. That's exactly the plan. But, but here's the thing, all right? If you do fall, all right, if you do, don't fall into that plan and you've gone through something like divorce, well, here's the thing. Then ask forgiveness and keep serving God because God can still use you. Somebody say amen this morning. But you understand the intention here is to illustrate the point made from verse number one. That you are you you have the law and dominion over you, okay? Until all right, so long as a man liveth, all right. So in accordance to the law, a woman is bound to her husband so long as he liveth. And if he is still alive, and the woman leaves him and goes and marries another man or seeks to be married to another man, then he makes it clear she shall be called an adulteress. However, if the husband dies. She is free from the bond of marriage and can marry someone else. And again, the point of the illustration is to say this. Are you ready? Death breaks the bond of the law. I mean, listen, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but He came to fulfill it. Everybody catching that? In fact, notice, okay, notice the spiritual application because he goes right into that. Look at verse number four. Excuse me. He says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. You catch that? So there's the application, all right? And here's, now, now listen, he's talking to Jewish believers, but remember the instruction given to the Gentile believers in chapter six. So go back to chapter 6 just really quickly and look at verse number 6. Y'all okay? Everybody all right? Look at verse number 6. 
He says this, alright? He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Did you catch that? The old man is dead. <laughs> Come on, and that's exactly what he's saying. Right here he says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. In other words, again, listen, it's a different people in a different issue, but the answer is the same. Your old man died when Christ was crucified. Therefore, the bond of the law is broken, and so now the old life in the law is to be done away with, and he says this, you're to be married to Jesus Christ, who is not dead. Amen. As the verse keeps going, notice what he says. He says, wherefore, my brethren, ye also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So we're to walk in this newness of life, bringing fruit unto God. Well, what kind of fruit? Well, if you go to Romans chapter 6, you'll find the fruit of holiness. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, you'll find the fruit of the Spirit. If you go to John chapter 15, you'll find the fruit of the lost. Those are all fruits that we should be bearing as children of God. Is anybody getting this? So that's what he's dealing with. Now look at verses 5 and 6 here. Let's keep moving. We're going kind of fast, aren't we? Don't worry, I still got a whole lot of notes. He says, for when we were in the flesh... The motions of sins, the passions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So the law here shows us that we are sinners, and sin brings forth death, all right? But these Jewish believers have been delivered from the law not to continue in walking in the law, but rather to walk in the newness of, of the Spirit, not the oldness of the letter talking about the Old Testament. Look down at verse number 7, because this is where it gets real interesting, because notice it says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I not known sin, but by the law, for I not known lust, except the law had, had said, thou shalt not covet. So again, this is where it gets tricky. Paul poses the question, is the law sin? This may have been the predominant thought among Jewish believers during that day. Uh, this people, may, uh, people have a tendency to swing one way or the other, don't they? But, but I would also say this, that, that maybe they felt like this is what Paul was saying. And so Paul wants to clarify some things and to say this, that the law is not bad. Because here's the thing, we had not known sin but by the law. Paul said, man, I didn't, know, I didn't know what was going on in my heart, my desires and my passions and the lusts of my flesh until the law came along and said, thou shalt not covet. Oh, that's what's going on in me. Everybody catching that? In fact, he keeps going down. All right, in verses 8 through 11, he talks about and clarifies, clarifies continues clarifying about the law. Okay, listen, the law is not sin. Is everybody getting that? But there's a relationship between the law and sin. Watch this. In verse number 8, 
But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, probably talking about when he was a kid, ignorant of the Scriptures. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. In other words, I realized I was a sinner and dead before God. Then look at what he says in verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained of light to life, I found to be unto death, for sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. And what he's trying to explain is the relationship between the law and sin. Please catch this. The law is not sin, but the law exposes sin. It's what it does in our life. And it's sin. Listen, the law does not lead to life, but to death, because that's where that, because the law exposes sin, and that's where sin takes us. That's the wages of sin. Is everybody catching this? Look at verse number, look at verse, oh come on, stay with me because we're getting about to get into some application and this is all going to come together, okay? Now look at verses 12 and 13 and we'll finish up just so you didn't think I didn't study this, all right? (laughs) Sorry. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. And so again, he, again, he's driving home and clarifying the law is holy and just and good. It's not bad and it's not sin. Okay? The law is not death itself, but what it exposes is, which is sin. And so it's through the law that he says that sin becomes exceeding sinful. Pretty good stuff there. I listen. I, man, I really, I, I, I want to kind of cut through some of my notes here and cut some of this stuff out because I really want to get into the main application. But I just I want to make sure this morning that we understand that if the message throughout this passage and even in chapter number six is is, and I think that you would agree with me, it's die to self. The old man's been crucified with Christ on the cross then couldn't we, couldn't we come to the conclusion this morning that man cannot be saved by works? He has to be saved by grace through faith. And really this has already been made clear in the book of Romans, especially in Romans uh, chapter 5, all right, where, where it makes it clear that we have peace with God through our Lord. You know, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man is justified by faith. And so... You know, the reason that I bring this up is, is because, and I listen, I realize the audience to whom I'm speaking to, and that we're not Jewish, that we are Gentile and we are Baptists and, and you know, faith Baptist church. But here's, but here's the thing, all right? In the realm of Christianity and Christendom as a whole worldwide, you and I have to understand that those of us that hold to the Scriptures and believe that man is saved by grace through faith, we are in the minority, did you catch that? That even because see, here's the thing: is that even in the realm of Christendom, the majority has taken the Jewish philosophies of Jesus's day, that man achieves his own righteousness with God through his works of the law, and they've applied that to New Testament Christianity and the commandments and the works that Christ has instructed us to do. Now, you and I aren't supposed to do those things to get us to heaven. 
We do those things because we're already on our way to heaven because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right? So, but, but here's the thing. So you and I have got to understand this, that no baptism can save us. Okay? No, no church membership can save us or, or some catechism or confirmation or whatever that religion throws at, at mankind today. There's only one way for man to be forgiven of his sin and to receive eternal life, and that is through Jesus Christ alone and faith in Him, period. That's the only way. I heard a great testimony this past week, Brother Alan Fong, uh, that pastors out in, in San Diego, California, Heritage Baptist Church, and he was talking about growing up as a Catholic and went to Catholic school. And man, he, he, had, he, you know, he had all the catechisms down and was an altar boy and getting up early and going and doing all these things as a kid. And then and by the time he got into middle school, uh, his parents couldn't afford Catholic school, so he was placed into public school. And one of the kids in the public school, he, he said his name was Billy, came by and began to invite him to church. And that was the very first time that he heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because he had grown up in a religion that had, that had, that had taught him over and over and over again that you are going to heaven based upon your works. Your own righteousness. But Isaiah said this, all our righteousnesses are filthy rags. Friend, there's nothing. No, 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 no. If you and I can achieve, watch this, if we can achieve our own righteousness with God through the old man, then why did Jesus Christ come and die on the cross for our sin? Friend, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sin. In the Old Testament, it was always a lamb, a spotless lamb. And that's why John the Baptist would say about Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. It's because Christ was the sacrifice once and for all. And all you and I must do is simply come to Him, turn from our sin, and call upon Him in salvation, and He'll forgive you and save you right where you're at. And it's all through grace. Listen, if it's, if it's of works, Paul said in Romans... If it's of works, then it's not of grace. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So I, I just, I listen, I, and I think even right here when he talks about walking in the newness of the Spirit. Come on, friend, you're not going to get that spiritual birth through works. It's only when a man humbles himself and comes to Jesus Christ by faith because he's convicted in his heart of his sin and he responds to Christ and what Christ done for him on the cross of Calvary. And he calls upon the Lord, and for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he's born again into the family of God and receives that newness of spirit. Amen. Come on, it's not do, done through some work, and it's certainly not done through repeating some meaningless prayer. It is done when man genuinely is convicted of God in response to the gospel and calls upon Christ in, 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 sal in salvation by faith. Simple as that. And I say all that to say this. If you've not done that this morning, then today needs to be the day of salvation. Because my friend, religion is not going to save you. Well, you know, preacher, I'm a member of such and such church. Well, who cares? I, I'll guarantee you this, you're not going to stand before God and go, well, you know. No, that's not how it works. It, you're not squaring up with God, God's squaring up with you. And whether or not you've come His way, and His way, Jesus said, I am the way, 
and the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. None of this is in my notes, friend. <laughs> I'm a little nervous right now. I'm going to shake your ground. I'm just letting the Lord lead. So we've got to come to this conclusion that, I mean, listen, man is saved by grace through faith, but, but I, you know, and I, I, again, I realize my audience and we as a church stand on that, the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection, and man is saved by grace through faith alone. We, we stand on that, so I understand that. But there's not only a conclusion that you and I have to draw here, there's a caution here. And I really, I think this is where I primarily just want to, I just want to camp out on. And if you would, just if I could maybe have a little patience and grace here with, with the time. Because even, even being Gentiles, okay, we, we've got to take some caution here because as already mentioned, we, we have the same tendencies to do with the commandments of Christ in the New Testament what the Jews were doing with the law. And I want to say to you this morning, and please catch this, there's a balance here. All right? See, because here, you know, we, and I would venture to say probably most of us have heard things, you know, things thrown out like this. It's about a relationship, not religion. And we would understand that, but, but here's the thing. We have to be clear on that because you also got to take into consideration, and let me just recall this verse to your mind in James, that pure religion is undefiled before God the Father. And it's to visit the fatherless and the widows and keep ourselves unspotted from the world. So we can say it's about relationship and not religion, but even James said, well, there's a pure religion. Hello? You know, this big, well, you know, it's not about traditions. But even Paul said, follow after my traditions. No, read Thessalonians. We, we better be careful about throwing things out there like that and being clear. So, so let, me, let me just, now watch this. Let me point out, point out just two quick things here. Actually, it's probably going to take a little while. N- number one, watch this. We had better be careful that when we're looking at the subject of relationship and religion, okay? We better be careful how we view the Word of God here. And I believe this, I believe this was some of the same caution that Paul was trying to give down through this text. As already pointed out to you, he he spends a great deal of time trying to clarify what he means to them about the law having dominion over them, and, 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 and what he's trying to get across to them is this, is that though they needed to die to self, the law was still good, it was still holy, it was still just, and so therefore, friend, they didn't need to throw the law out altogether. They just needed to make sure that living unto Jesus Christ was the priority in their life. Now, why, why, do you, why do you point that out? Because here's the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be viewed in such a light that they were to completely do away with it. Why? Well, why, preacher? Why? Because, you, listen, it was still needed in order to have a right relationship with God. 
How are you going to know what God demands of you if you don't have the Word of God? Listen, friend, in every, every relationship that you and I have, there are rules. Did you know that? He uses the marriage example here. Let me use that. All right? Let, let, let's say this, that, that you, you know, my, my, my wife and I have a marriage relationship. And I, you know, and I'm taking, I take my wife out to eat and uh, we, we go on a date and, you know, and I uh, provide for my family and, and I, you know, spend time with her. But what if I decided to, to also to, to, to take out another woman out to eat? Now, don't look at me like, oh, I knew that's what he was thinking. I knew. No, that's not, it's an illustration. Stop it. Because I know this, I'd be a dead man walking, especially after I bought her a new gun for Christmas. Amen. Amen. No, what I'm saying to you is this, the relationship would be in jeopardy. Because I'm not walking within the rules. Everybody catching this? See, what, what I'm trying to say to you is this, friend. Listen, it's, it's meant to be the same way for God's people. And, and when we talk about things like religion and, and relationship, please, please get this. What we're saying is this, is that it's about a relationship and walking with God. But at the same time, it's not meant that we would take the Word of God and throw it out altogether and have nothing to do with that because how are we going to know how to walk with God and who God is and what He demands of with us or from us if we don't have the Word of God? You can't do that. And the fact of the matter is, that is exactly what is going on in Christianity in America right now. Is that the focus is all on a relationship, yet they have thrown the Word of God out completely. And my question is this, who are you having a relationship with? You don't even know. It is a God of your own vain imagination, friend, if you throw the Bible out. And that's what's happening in our, our day and time. You go, to most, you go to most church services and it's all about the music and the music and the music and the music and there's very little, if any, truth given from the pulpit and the preaching of the Word of God. And when it is given, people don't want it. I was at Home Depot about three or four months ago and I was sitting there and I was uh, trying to order some hardwood or some vinyl flooring for our house and project that we were working on and started talking with the lady and and she found out, you know, through conversation, I was pastor of Faith Baptist Church, and, and uh, we have a Christian school, and the next thing you know, there's another lady comes up, oh, you're a pastor, and another girl comes up, oh, you're a pastor. Religion's a very popular thing to talk about, evidently. And I'll never forget, one of the girls said this, she said, you know, I just, I, I just, you know, we go to this church over here, and it was some you know, non-denominational junk. He said, we don't really have a pastor. We just have a TV and there's some guy that preaches from somewhere else and we listen to that. And I thought, wow, that's not really biblical at all. And then said this, you know, it's really the music that just really speaks to me. And that's really why I go. I was sitting in church the other night, Wednesday night at Southwest Baptist Church, and I watched a guy walk in with a man bun. There I go with my pocket knife again. <laughs> Sorry. You know what I was? This is what I was thinking was, I really hope he comes in and he hears the gospel and he gets saved. The music's playing, and the music was phenomenal that night. The choir, the special music, the congregationals. 
You could just see him up there. And I was like, if that man bun sways in front of me one more time. <laughs> this, this, watch this, watch this, watch this. As soon as the man of God was introduced, he got up and he said, I'm, I got to go. Zero truth. Friend, listen to me. You cannot have a relationship with God apart from the Bible. That's right. Amen. You cannot have a relationship with the God of the Word without the Word of God. Amen. Did you know this? In Psalms he says this, that His Word is exalted above His name. That's right. Now if God thinks that highly of His Word, who are we not to? You can't do it. So when you talk about, well, it's about a relationship and not religion, you better understand that that doesn't mean we throw the Word of God out altogether and we just focus on, we just have a relationship because you, you don't know who you have a relationship with if you don't have the Bible. That's right. You don't know what's required in that relationship if you don't have a Bible. But here's the second thing. Second thing, last thing. Last thing. We also better be careful, you and me, how we estimate our spirituality. That's right. You know, in our marriage relationship, sorry, I didn't tell her how she was going to be my illustration this morning. She's a good volunteer. What if I did keep myself pure? Didn't take out any other ladies. Did my husbandly duties, did, you know, provided for our home. Helped out around the house. Done some things here and there, you know, and just things that husbands do, supposed to do. But I never talked with her. I never told her I loved her. I never, I never told her what was on my heart and I never listened to her when she told me what was on her heart. Would you say the relationship would still be okay? No. What makes us think, what makes us think then it's okay with God? We just pop into church And we dress a certain way. And we talk a certain way. But we never communicate with Him. And that's the main intent of Paul in this passage. That the New Testament Christian life is not about just keeping up spiritual appearances and going through the motions of things. Sure, all of those are good. But it's about actually having a genuine walk with God. In the newness of the Spirit. And being filled with Him. And in love with Him. And walking with Him. Do you know a whole church could do this right here? Yeah, amen. I mean, you read Revelation chapter 2 in the church at Ephesus, and they had all the labors and the works and the 
knew what they believed and why they believed it, but yet Jesus Christ is examining them and says, but I have someone against thee. You've left your first love. Whole church fought, fell out of love with Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm telling you, it's more to it than that. And this, see, this is what happens, though. This is what happens. Watch this. We find ourselves in the same predicament as the Gentile believers in Romans chapter 6. Is that we've got, listen, we, we do all these little things and we try to keep up with things, but yet on the inside, man, we're frustrated. We're discontent. The, the commandments of God become grievous to us. What, watch this. Watch this. And we're powerless. And we're not bearing fruit. And the generation today is going, well, you know, God's just, it's, it's just different and God's just different and it's, and you know, it's all God's fault and this and that. No, 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 no. The ball's not in God's court. It's in ours. And all God's saying is this, is hey, when, when are you going to stop going through the motions, Baptist, and die to self? Amen. Oh, sure, you may not be like the Gentile believers in Romans chapter 6, but at the same time, you're still struggling. And not where you need to be. Why is that? Because of Romans chapter 7. You may not have a sinus cold, but you got stitches that you need put in. But you still need the antibiotic. You still need the antibiotic. Can I ask you something? Do you, do you, let's be honest with you. Do you have religion? Or do you really got a relationship with God? Tough one to answer. Let's all stand.